What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush Slasher Movie Roundtable Part 1, although we're at a square table. To my left is Annie Reese. Hi. Hi, Annie. How Hi, are thank you? thank you so much for... Oh, I'm good. I'm so excited to be talking about slashers. So if you guys don't know who Annie is, Annie is the uh, co-host of Savor, uh, one of our great... Uh, I, I mean, it's a food podcast, but it's food plus. Food, yeah. I like that. Food plus. It makes me feel like I'm on Disney plus level. It's food and travel and drink. And yeah, we're really fortunate that we get to to go to places like Hawaii. And talk I know. About food and- I get so jealous <laughs> with uh, your co-host Lauren Vogelbaum and also co-host of Stuff Mom Never Told You. Yep. Are you co-hosting anything else or is that it? As far as I know, that is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to have a uh, a woman's point of view on slasher movies. Because, you know, we'll talk about inherent uh, problematic qualities of slasher movies <laughs> yep. later on. So just put a pin in that for now. Uh, we have Joe McCormick to my right. Hello, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Great. You may remember Joe from last year's horror special, uh, along with Robert, your co-host on Invention and Stuff to Blow Your Mind. That's right. You guys are in your, what, like probably eighth or ninth year? Oh, God, I don't even know. Uh, well, Invention's in its first year. Well, Stuff sure. to Blow Your Mind has been around since I think like 2010 or 2009. So okay. I've, I've only been on the show since 2015. Is that right? Really? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it uh, seems like you were always the co-host. Yeah. I know that's not the case though. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're, we're cranking it over there. We're doing uh, Halloween stuff all month as we usually do. And we introduced that as a new tradition on Invention as well. So we've been talking about casket and coffin technology oh, and inventions wow. all throughout the month. It's mostly inventions to uh, – prevent people from being removed from caskets when they wanted to stay in or to allow people to escape caskets when they wanted to get out. Yeah, we did an episode on grave robbing a few years ago, and there was a lot of technology to uh, keep people out of graves. Yeah. And technology, did you you get to the one where – there was a literal gun that would blast you in the face. Oh, yeah. We talked all about that. Yeah. Uh, turrets and, uh, yeah. And there was a coffin torpedo that you could bury right. inside the coffin. Oh, so man. There's a story about some grave robbers in Ohio. Oh, they had great names, but I forgot what they were. But they were digging up a coffin and they got, like, their leg blown off. Well, that's what you get. Wow. And in front of me at the square table, across from me, everyone, making his movie crush debut on mic is producer Ramsey Yunt. 
Thank you for having me. Woo! How you doing, Ramsey? Doing well, doing well. I've been I've been watching a lot of slasher movies over the past couple of days. So. I think we're all a little bit on edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I should set this up a little bit and say, well, first of all, let me say my piece, and then I want to ask everyone on a scale of one to ten what your uh, interest slash fandom level is for slasher movies in particular. Uh, but I'll start by saying that I'm getting into all this very late in life. Uh, I was a church kid growing up, as I've uh, never stopped talking about on all my various shows. And it wasn't like I thought God would punish me, but it just wasn't in my sphere that much. Like the people I hung out with, these youth group kids didn't, you know, we were watching big and Turner and Hooch. And I guess we were watching only Tom Hanks movies, <laughs> now that I think about it. Burbs. Yeah, the Burbs, what else? Bachelor Party, although that was kind of dirty. Uh, but we just weren't, I just wasn't in this world that much. So, I mean, I watched Halloween and like Nightmare on Elm Street and some of the hugest tent poles. But I'm getting into this stuff later in life. Uh, and it's an interesting thing to do in your late 40s. Uh, and I was talking to Josh about this yesterday and how and we'll get to Texas Chainsaw Massacre at some point, but just saw it for the first time, very much disturbed me. And Josh was like, you know, you missed your window. Like you're supposed to watch these when you're young and you feel like you're going to live forever. Yeah. And I went, you're right. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the difference. Like I'm 48. I'm going to die in the next 30 years, guys. I, I don't want to bring us down. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. But. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so movies like this take on a different tone uh, for me now. But um, let's start with you, Annie. What's your 1 to 10 level on slasher picks? Mm, maybe like 6 or 7. Okay. I'm huge into horror. Sure. Slasher in specific is um, – I like them, but they do – often make me uncomfortable. I'm somebody, I'm really nerdy and I like to pick apart like tropes and what oh, is sure. this telling me about what society is really afraid of? Right. So I'm not super fun to watch movies with. But um, when I was young, when I was like nine, do you guys remember media play? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like don't you want a $35 DVD? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was this big media store and I grew up in a really tiny town so we didn't have any source. I had to drive like an hour to get to anything. What town? Uh, Dahlonega, oh. which is big now, but yeah. when I was there, it was like 5,000. It was really small. So you were um, post-Gold Rush, pre-Gold Rush tourism. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we would go to media play once a month on Fridays, and when I was nine, I tried to uh, – I was kind of rebellious mm -hmm. in my um, media because my parents were very strict about no PG-13, no – Right. So I bought Urban Legends, Scream, Psycho, <laughs> and – um, Sleepy Hollow, and they're all rated R, and I was nine, and they didn't check my ID. So you really sent in a message to the folks, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then when I was out in the parking lot, my mom made me check, like, what did you buy? Oh, boy. And I had to reveal <laughs> what I had done, and uh, she she let me keep one. Sleepy Hollow? I kept Scream. Oh, oh, oh she let yeah. you pick yeah. the one. Yeah. 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 Okay, I thought she was like, no, 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 you were only keeping Sleepy Hollow because I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, no. She let me choose one, and I kept screaming. I feel like that sort of uh, changed the course of my movie slasher life forever because – Nine years old, scream. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And All right. I think I, la I know what you did last summer came out soon after that. Mm -hmm. That was the first one I saw that really scared me, and now I watched it pretty recently. It does not hold up. <laughs> oh, really? Nope, nope, nope. nope. Yeah. Freddie Prince Jr., what were you doing? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or more importantly, what is he doing? <laughs> oh, I don't know. What's he up to these days? Where's that guy? <laughs> that movie's a 90-minute acting lesson. But yeah, yeah. Um, but it was very scary when I was young. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ramsey, what about you? Where do you fall on the, the, the scale? Uh, if you ask the nine-year, I don't know, it was nine years old for me, that's when I watched my first slasher flicks. And what is wrong with you people? <laughs> I was spending the night at a buddy's house in Pensacola, Florida, and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1 and 2 came on HBO. Mm -hmm. And I watched both of them with my buddy and his dad. And we did not sleep a wink that night. Um, and then... So my nine-year-old gauge was probably around a seven or eight. Okay. Because that started it. I was, like, fascinated with, with slasher flicks after that. But now, I think I mentioned to you briefly, it was, like, I have a child now. And so that kind of changes your perspective on things. Sure. And, like, I do watch gory movies from now and time and now and again, but not as much as I used to. How Just old are you now? 41. 
See, I had no idea. Yeah. I've always wondered. <laughs> <laughs> if someone would have asked, I was like, Ramsey's either 28 or 47. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. But yeah, no. So like nowadays, I don't watch it. But every Halloween, I try to make a point to watch, you know, some of the classics. Um, yeah. Like we'll talk about like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Nightmare on Elm Street and all that type sure. of stuff. But yeah, that was like the, the crowning moment for me. And after that, I was, I was fixed. Um on slasher flicks, but now not so much. All right, Joe, go ahead and explode the scale. Are you a 12? Oh, no, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'm like a 14 or something, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I, I don't know if I love most of these movies, but I've had a lot of formative social experiences watching them. Okay. Uh, so like you, I was a church kid, of course. Mm-hmm. I didn't like grow up on this, but I did get access to them through, you know, the through wonderful Satan. right through <laughs> the, uh, wonderful yeah, Satan. the black magic of TV. <laughs> right. You know, so when I was a kid, USA would run uh, Friday yeah. the thirteenth movie marathons, right. I think. And they'd show a bunch of them on TV late at night. And I remember that being a very early window where I I remember at the time being afraid of them, which is hilarious now because they're not scary to watch. Uh-huh. But they at the time they were afraid, but they were also very enticing. Uh, there was something about them that was like, of course, there, there's the forbidden fruit kind yeah. of quality. But there's there was also like, I need to see what happens next. There was like some kind of crucial part of adult life that I was missing out on if I did not continue watching to see what happened, you know, when, when right. the knife goes in or something. It's a very bizarre kind of impression. I don't know what would have generated that. But I remember feeling like that. And then I remember also uh, – Older kids I knew being into slasher movies when I was like in, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade or something. Yeah. And watching horror movies with them, watching Friday the 13th movies on TV with them. And uh, yeah, as I, as I went on in high school, I got really into just both horror movies genuinely and bad movies in general. Uh-huh. And of course, almost every slasher movie is horrible. Like, <laughs> you, you know, you can list the good slasher movies on one hand. Right. And so th- they, they brought a lot of interesting bad movie qualities that are fun to pick apart, you know, and to like kind of see what might be going on in the screenwriter's head that maybe even the screenwriter doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think you're all qualified. Yes. (laughs) You're hired. (laughs) You can stay. Uh, Noel, by the way, everyone is in uh, New York City hanging out with Questlove. So I think we can all say fuck Noel. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) You don't belong in this room. You go do your fancy music stuff. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Uh, all right, so the first question I'm going to throw out that I threw out to the movie crushers is what makes a good slasher movie? Uh, so think on that for a second, and I'm going to buzz through a few of these comments. Uh, Benjamin Johnson says the setting, uh, something unique in the setting. Uh, our old friend Gail Kuntz says you have to have someone trip multiple times 
before it's a slasher <laughs> film. That's true. Uh, Ken Heitmuller says absurdity. Uh, Josh Brennan says perfect balance of uh, tropes that work and creative uniqueness that keeps it interesting. And, of course, great jump scares. Uh, and one of our oldest friends, Rebecca Robe, says attention, suspension, creativity, and a truly badass villain and uh, hero slash heroine. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and chime in with uh, which one really – let me see here. Josh Brennan's comment really spoke to me. Uh, it's It's got to have something unique because I've sort of been diving in this week to some movies I've never seen before and – they're all very formulaic, mm-hmm. uh, so you've got to have something else going for you. Other, otherwise, it's just a retread of Friday the Thirteenth over and over and over. What do you guys think? Like, what makes a perfect? Well, not a perfect slasher movie, but like, what are the qualifications to even qualify? I, I would say there's a really big fork in the road right at the beginning of answering this question, which is, are you looking for a movie that's actually good in terms of being suspenseful and scary? Right. Or a movie that is an enjoyable experience, even though the movie itself might be bad and you don't you know, necessarily care about the characters. I think that's the the main distinction that it starts with. Caring about the characters and like wanting to see them escape is, mm-hmm. a, is a crucial thing. This is common to – most of the actually good slasher movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, yeah. are the ones where you're sort of – you're on the side of the victims. Uh-huh. You don't want to see them get hurt. And when they're running from the killer, you're like, are they going to get away? Uh, most horror uh, – most slasher movies I think go on the other side where it's just kind of like there's an ironic detachment. It's almost kind of a curiosity mm-hmm. where you are just watching a series of somewhat annoying kind of sexually charged characters mm-hmm. get dispatched one at a time. And the main motivation is like – it's like curiosity. It's like you want to see how it's going to happen. Sure. Annie? I, I was curious about – because uh, I uh, – over on um, Sminty, we just did an episode on Alien because it's the 40th anniversary. And I was like, is that a slasher? And I looked up the definition and it has to be – the internet seems to agree. It has to be a human humanoid <laughs> character. <laughs> there has to be a high body count. Um, and there should be some sort of blade involved in some of the killings, I right? I think or so. No. Like I this- mean some kind of sharp – yeah. Item. Yeah. Yeah. I want to come back to the psychology of that later. Oh, yeah, yeah I yeah. do too. Yeah. <laughs> so well, much even, to say. even the, the body count, I mean, that's something I'm sure I we're mean, going to talk about. But like a lot of them, a lot of the classic slasher movies don't have a high body count. Yeah, that's true. And especially, I was thinking about this too of like, I've been watching a lot of older slasher because I'm more familiar with newer slasher movies. Mm-hmm. And newer slasher movies, usually have a higher body count. Yeah. And that's something I think that's why I like slasher movies like Scream where I've seen the tropes so much mm-hmm. that it I really enjoy knowing that the people who made that movie saw them too and enjoyed them, but then right. made fun of them and used them to kind of play with your mind. Yeah. Um which seems kind of not old hat now, but I, yeah. I don't know if people remember or appreciate how original Scream was when it came out. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. no one had really done that yet. No one had uh, made fun of the tropes and the movie within a movie thing. Uh, and I discussed that movie with uh, comedian Nate Bargatze on the show in full because that's his favorite film. But uh, Scream was really like pretty revolutionary at the time. Yeah, and I I remember when I saw it, it was my first slasher movie. Yeah. Well, I did see Nightmare on Elm Street, but I didn't really get it because I was like four. So I was, what is this? <laughs> well, that's interesting that it was your first one, though, because they're making fun of these tropes that you hadn't seen yet. Yeah. And so to me, I was just like, this is a fun. This is fun. <laughs> All right. And then I got a renewed appreciation for it as I dove more sure. into the, the genre. But um, they even say, I think, in the third one where they comment on the body count getting higher and higher right? Um, as, as we've gone on. But uh, – how, how many dead bodies do we need? Yeah. Well, to make a serial killer, it's only two. Okay. Two three, but a slasher yeah. movie, two kills is not enough. I mean, how many? Can we all agree Halloween, on that? <laughs> just like three or something? Yeah, Halloween doesn't kill that many people. That's true. Yeah, yeah but I feel like. Uh, there are five kills in the first Halloween movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you got the you got the stats. <laughs> the kills. Well, no, that's like that's like a big thing for me. It was not, not a big thing for me, but it was just like. <laughs> That was like something like, you know, because I looked up like what is a slasher fic, right. flick and it was like body count. And like, you know, Halloween, like Nightmare on Elm Street, I think it was like four. Yeah. And then 
Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 has the most because there's that big party scene and like a lot of people die there. But the rest of the movies, there's like one, there's like three people die. Yeah. Um, and in some of the movies, but the body count is always is, is a big thing. And like I said, you, you look at all these early slasher flicks, they're the set up the establishment and all that was where where they got you. And then there's like three or four kills. Right. Well, I, I tried to come up with a definition of slashers. Do you all want to see if you're on board with this? Sure. sure. Okay. So here's what seems crucial to me. This is Joe McCormick's definition. <laughs> okay. This is what picks. people think of when they think of a slasher. Okay. So you got some kind of human or humanoid killer. Okay. It doesn't have to be human, but that has to be basically human shaped. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, murdering a group of hot young people in a sexually charged environment. Yeah, that's pretty. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. this the whole deal of like punishment for for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's not just the moralism. I think there's also something about like the blending of sex and death that seems to be a a key appeal of sure. the genre. Yeah. Um, then it's using mostly bladed or puncturing weapons. Like uh-huh. you, you wouldn't see a slasher movie where the killer is like killing people with a car or a gun or something. It doesn't, Agreed. Really, it doesn't make sense. It feels wrong. And then finally, the killer is unknown or mysterious, usually wearing a mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say those that are my main elements. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with Joe McCormick's definition of slashers. In my limited experience, there's a lot of uh, uh, unseen faces. There's a lot of puncturing and stabbing motions. There's usually a shower scene. Yeah, there's always a shower <laughs> scene. Maybe you all have opinions on this now. Why is it always like knives, bladed weapons or puncturing weapons? Why does it feel like it doesn't make sense for a slasher movie villain to use a gun? Well, I think uh, uh, it's much more intimate. Uh, and there is an intimacy to slasher movies in some weird twisted way because the sex thing like you were talking about. And it's always, you know, you can shoot a gun from – I don't know. I don't shoot people, but it seems like you can get pretty far away from someone and still shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to get right up on someone to stab them. It's very personal Well, and scarier. What I was going to add to what Joe was saying is like every slasher movie for me, it starts off in every town, America or wherever. You True. Know? Mm-hmm. So you have that feel like when you're, you know what you're watching, it's either in a camp or it's going to be in some house. So like the home invasion type thing. So, you know. It's never New York City, though. You're right. It's always, this could be your town. <laughs> Except in Friday the 13th. Yeah, well, Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> True. Except True. only one scene there was actually filmed in New York City. The rest, I think, Which was in Vancouver or something. The city of New York oh, of actually sued. Yes. <laughs> did they really? Because yeah. they used the I Heart New York, but it was like Jason's mask. Oh, and and they, also, there's yeah. a TGI Fridays in the background. Wow. Scene, and I really love it. <laughs> Almost the entire um, movie takes place on a boat. Yep. But, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. You know, but that is an outlier, yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, and it's like, you know, Michael Myers walks into a kitchen and what does he see? Oh, there's a kitchen knife. Yes. That's how I grab get my weapon. Mm-hmm. I'm invading into this house. Yeah. And it could be any street. Like that's the the whole point of Elm Street was they took the easiest, most relatable street in America at right. the time and that's how they got Elm Street. I mean, it was, you know, in middle America and there's, you know, because that's who you see in these movies, and that's a key point, I think, is, you know, you grow up in the middle of Illinois or Iowa or Idaho or Texas, and you're, these teenagers are going to see these movies about towns that look just like theirs yeah. and that visceral experience because it's not big city stuff usually, except for Jason, of course, at TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing, too, is like we might as well just talk about the – and this is all – we should all just excuse ourselves for how demented this all sounds. Yeah. Sure. But we are talking slasher movies, so we need to talk about kill qualities. <laughs> like there, that's the whole. That's the whole thing is you got to have good kills mm-hmm. and imaginative kills, uh, ones that are like you sort of laugh at, maybe because you're uncomfortable with how gross it is. But I find myself kind of laughing at some of these lately. When uh, and there, you know, there's only so many things you can do with a knife, and there's only so many ways you can slit a throat or stab someone. Yet I keep seeing in the really good ones in new and inventive ways. Uh, like, I mean, we'll, we'll get into uh, The Prowler a bit more later because I know we've all seen that. But straight through the top of the head, down uh-huh. through the throat, yet that guy is still alive for way too long. <laughs> and his eyes, like, go back into his head. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is the guy twisting the knife in his head, I think, to make the eyes go up? Oh, is that what's going on? I, was, I, I wasn't quite clear. Or it's a bayonet, maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely a bayonet. But um, like, what? Let's talk about kill quality and why that's so important. Uh, I mean, I think it especially matters in the like of the two categories I laid out, like the suspense driven versus the curiosity driven. That's mm-hmm. way more in the curiosity driven slashers, which are the vast majority of right. them. Uh, the the suspense driven ones like Michael Myers doesn't do anything all that unusual when he's killing people no, in you're the totally first right. movie. He's Be- just stabbing away like any old regular schmo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that, I think that's because it's actually a good movie. It's driven by suspense. I mean, you're you're worried for the characters and you're seeing him in the background stalking. It's not really about the pure mechanics of the murder when right. it happens. Uh, but a lot of slasher movies, yeah, they're more this kind of like voyeuristic curiosity-driven thing where you just kind of want to see what are they going to come up with next. Right. And that's taken to ridiculous extremes in movies in the 2000s, say like the Saw movies, where they basically just take that principle like what's the weirdest, most creative way that you could kill somebody? And and so, you know, you you go to like Rube Goldberg kind of levels. Right. Uh, But it also actually – that shows up in – Something that maybe I'll ask you all later whether this actually counts as a slasher genre uh, movie, but the Final Destination movies, which have elaborate Rube Goldberg deaths, but there's no actual killer. It's just sort of a force of nature killing you. Did not see those. Yeah. Oh, they'll make you afraid of everything. Really? Mm-hmm. Logging trucks, man. I still can't I be see, behind a logging truck. <laughs> oh, really? I see, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I only know, saw I the, the trailer for that one. <laughs> yeah, like oh, the really? first five minutes, this logging truck, all the logs fall off, and the next thing you know, they're flying through cars, and it's like, okay, never again. And yeah. Then, never again. Uh, I think those are actually pretty fun. But yeah, yeah. The, you, the, you've log, the movies like, or the logging trucks? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the Final Destination movies. Yeah. Well, I've only seen the first three, but those I think are pretty fun. There's more than three? Oh, there's like 17. Yeah, like straight the video type thing now? I don't know. No? Are they still theatrical? I don't think they're When did the last one come out? I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. But yeah, 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 you've got to like, you've got to show something new if you're in the curiosity mode. Right. uh, There's only so many ways you can like stab or slash somebody. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is like, in the later Friday the 13th sequels, for example, Jason's always trading out weapons. Now he's got gardening shears. Right. Now he's got a uh, leather strap. Now, you know, it's just like going down the list to see what else could he use. Yeah. I think going off of that, um, when you watch, at least someone like me, if you've watched a lot of slasher movies, like every time I watch one now, I'm like, it builds tension just because you're looking at all the items that, uh-huh. oh, maybe it's that that will kill them. <laughs> right. Maybe it's that thing. Just like, what could it be? And so it, it kind of keeps you, again, if the movie is not necessarily great, it keeps you on edge the entire time because you're just thinking, oh, it's maybe it's yeah. that. There's something kind of fun about that, trying to guess. Like, Is it what would I do? Is that what it is? There actually is some evolutionary science behind that. That really? you're trying to learn, like, in a survival situation, uh-huh. what would I not do? And that's why some people enjoy horror movies a lot because they're just kind of picking up on, okay. Is that the same sort of thing where uh, I still do this? Where if I, I, I will, I always had an object in the room that I would go to to defend myself. Yeah. When I was younger, uh-huh. and I still sort of have that sometimes. Like I, I know where the fire poker is. I right. know where the baseball bat is. Yeah. I know where the golf club is. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to play on a loose plan. I do. Yeah. I guess uh, I, I don't have a gun. That would probably be the most sensible thing to have in a home. <laughs> but I'm just not into that. So right. Emily always laughs my wife about, you know, bring a gun in and just be prepared to meet the baseball bat. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I don't know if that's a fair fight, but let's just hope no one ever breaks in. <laughs> yes. Yes, there we go. Yeah, so evolutionary biology, uh, there is a voyeuristic, like – or, or maybe I know we don't want to imagine what it's like to kill people like this, but there is something fun about thinking about like what what would I use? What weapon in that room would I use? Well, to go beyond that, if we're talking about like you know uh, evolutionary explanations in neuroscience, I mean there are things where uh, I can't remember the exact name, but uh, basically there's a case we were talking about on stuff to blow your mind a while back where. Uh, a patient had a lesion. I think it was on the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that's important in generating the cascades of fear response. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, so uh, they had impaired fear response. Things that would normally scare somebody didn't scare this person. And the experimenter took them to a haunted house. And not only were they not scared, they showed strange attraction to all the scary things that popped out. Oh, weird. So like a monster pops up and goes, ah, and the person with the lesion on the amygdala doesn't just not react. They go up and they want to touch the monster. <laughs> and like they, they touch the masks and go straight toward it. So I almost think that there, there, there may be a tooth 
step thing going on in the brain when something is scary, which is first like arousal and our, our natural natural uh, reaction to that kind of arousal is like interest and you wanting to go near it. But then yeah. you get the fear response that causes you to stay away, retreat and all that. But if you don't have that fear response, like if you've seen a lot of these movies, you've desensitized yourself. Right. It doesn't really scare you anymore. Instead, you've just got that arousal state and you kind of want to go up and touch it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost childlike. Yeah. <laughs> like before a kid knows how to be scared of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I wonder when that goes away. For me, it was like eight. Eight? Yeah. Because again, a, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street and I was like, whatever. But then when I saw Jurassic Park when I was like seven or eight, that really scared me. Yeah. there's It's like a loss of innocence almost because uh, I see it in my own daughter. She's four and she's fearless, which is great. And it's sad to see those things kind of go you know, to the wayside and for them to start to be scared about things, you know? Ramsey, what about you? How old's your kid? Uh, she just turned seven. Um, is she scared yet? She is. Uh, she doesn't like spiders. Um, she's really into cooking shows now. And so when it the comes— The scariest of all media. scariest <laughs> of all media. Uh, it's like, like on Chop right before, like, the time's up and they're done cooking. Like, that freaks her out. Oh, yeah. Like, she gets so worked up and, like, she's, like, puts the, the covers. Clock. Yeah, the ticking clock, like, scares her. Um, and it I is have, called Chopped. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have no idea what would happen if she watched something like Nightmare on Elm Street like I did when I was a child. Um uh, that movie scared me for two weeks straight. Like I was – You probably can't imagine showing your daughter something Yeah, like I would that. not do that. Like this guy's dad, my buddy's dad, showing that – well, he probably didn't know what it was. Like, you know, it was, came out in I think, what, 84 or something yeah. like that. It was just not – no one expected, you know, some guy to run around with razor blades or anything like that. So, I mean, it was just, it was just really crazy at, when that came out. But – You know what scared me about Freddy Krueger? I remember distinctly it was that he ran. Yeah. And oh, I was yeah. so used to, even in my limited engagement with slasher movies, there's a lot of slow walking, yeah. which is one of the scary things about it, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that juxtaposition of like no matter how fast I run, they're walking yet some somehow still right behind me. Mm-hmm. But Freddy Krueger ran and that freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. I remember still. No, no, totally. And he also, the one thing that I always remembered about him and what I actually – as a as the franchise continued, was that he would actually speak to the victims. Yeah. So that was different. Like that was like one of the things that set it differently compared to like you know Halloween and the Friday Thirteenth. Is like obviously there's no talking from from the the from the the from villain any of them. from any of them. So yeah, um, that always creeped me out. And even in, especially in the first one. Um, you know, he kind of established like the one-liners throughout the movies. Yeah, but it was always like, "Yeah, you're dead," because you know that dialogue he had before. It was always pretty intense. I'm your boyfriend, Nancy. I remember the tongue <laughs> coming out of that phone. Yeah, and, uh, I actually went to go see uh, Robert England at uh, Dragon Con do a panel about Nightmare on Elm Street with him, and his first kill was there, Tina. Um, the act- no. Well, no, it, was, it was like yeah and she was also in the the better off dead movie the same year so it was like oh, you right. know just hearing a little bit like tidbits and stuff like that and he said like one of someone you know he said like whenever they did the death scenes they did two takes one of him being straight up like killing mm-hmm. and then doing the outtake which would be him saying these one lines or making it cheesy or hamming it up oh, interesting. just so like they could have that because the fans right. like that um, of the the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, so I mean, like it'd be interesting to see the the because right. they always went with that hammy one one liner. Um, but it would definitely be interesting just just to see his. It'd be killing. a completely different film. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely more of it as the series goes on. By the time yeah. you get to Freddy's Dead, which is like six or something, he's just a stand-up comedian. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's almost not a horror movie anymore. He's just doing jokes the whole time. What's yeah. the deal with airplane food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and his kill, his uh, the glove with the, the knives, that was really original too at the time. Yeah. Um, because it took, you know, what's scarier than one knife? It's four. <laughs> or was it all five, I guess? Did he have a thumb knife? I think it was just four. Just four? Just four? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's also made a very cool thing you could try and make for Halloween for a costume. Yeah. If you could 
get a gardening glove and, you know, attach some kitchen knives to a <laughs> Christmas sweater. I think my brother actually yeah. went as Freddy Krueger and um, he took a gardening glove and ta- taped like plastic for- knives to it and yeah. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that was his thing. What did he do with his face? Oh, he had like the weirdest looking makeup on it. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, I have a photo of it someplace. I showed him, but it was just like, it was just like plastered on type yeah. stuff that my mom did. It was not like the actual mask that came out with like years after that, but yeah. Yeah, the best thing now on Halloween is to see like a seven-year-old and the Michael Myers uh, yeah. <laughs> jump, jumpsuit and mask. Yeah. Like, that kid's doing it right. <laughs> Dressed up as Leatherface. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I can't believe I just saw that for the first time. But we're talking about that in part two. All right. So I guess let's talk a little bit. I, I promised that we would talk about inherent problematic qualities. That's the the elephant in the room. Um these movies are uh, misogynistic um, kill fantasies in a lot of ways <laughs> for, like, the worst kind of people in society. Um, yet we all love these movies, and it's, and women seem to love these movies based on the movie crusher responses. So what, what, is, what is it about these? And, like, why can we look past that? I'm looking right at you, Annie. <laughs> I know. Like, can we look past that? <laughs> yeah, can we? We do. We do. Um, well, I've done a lot of research on this because, like I said, I'm a really big nerd. And um, over on Spinty, we've done an episode on The Final Girl, which is a very big trope right. in uh, slasher movies. Which, which is, is a, what? Just the last one alive? Is that what that means? Essentially, it usually has, like, a connotation that she's sort of gender neutral, like, both in name and looks. She's virginal. She doesn't drink. She's kind of like the good girl. Right. She usually has brown hair. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. In so, The Prowler, she has blonde hair. I know. And see, I, I love that because I watch movies. I, like I said, I watch these movies and I've seen so many. I'm like, how interesting. Is right. this a statement <laughs> or just, like, accidental? Um, and... As we've been saying a lot throughout this, like the voyeuristic quality, mm-hmm. that's kind of the big problem a lot of people see with the final girl is that you're not you're not relating to her, even though she's supposedly strong or, you know, she's a survivor. Mm-hmm. You're relating to the killer because you're seeing it from his point of view. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of you that is like if it's well done, you want the character to get away. But it, if it's not, then you're just like, well, no, let's see him trying to kill her, like all the right. different ways. Um, and, of course, there's always the shower scene. There's always some kind of punishment for sex. I love mm-hmm. in Cabin in the Woods where they, like, play on that as well. Yeah. With the the whore is usually the first to go. Um, and, and with the knife, like, there's a lot of theories about that, about it being a phallic symbol right. um, of course. used to kill all of these women. And... Um, it's there was a study done, I think in two thousand and five, where it was looking at nineteen um, seventies movies and then slasher movies and the remakes uh-huh. in the two thousands to see if the uh, depiction of women has improved. And it found that the only way it's really improved is through the running and screaming, like that part of running away. Now that's more of a problem solving element, so it is kind of a a sign of strength okay. as opposed to just like I'm running and screaming and eventually I have to confront this thing. Right. Um, but everything else, some of them have gotten worse, some of the things they were looking at. Um, so it hasn't improved mm-hmm. that much. Uh, for me, I, women do watch horror movies at the same rate as men. Um, and there's been a lot of speculation into why that is. And some people, some researchers think it's because the endorphins that get released when you're watching a horror movie mm-hmm. that there's kind of <laughs> women have this low level of anxiety all the time mm-hmm. so we really like that that feeling of i just released for a little bit is it a thank god that wasn't me thing i wonder um i i would yeah i wonder that's not what it is for me but i can imagine some some people watching it and we hear all these stories about like if you go do this mm-hmm. x y and z a horrible thing will happen to right. you and so you can watch these movies and be like well, I didn't go do that. There's right. kind of a judgment element of... I didn't help a guy move his couch into in his right. van. Exactly. So yeah. I can feel good about I am taking care of myself. There's some agency yeah. involved there. I mean, watching it as an older guy now, getting into these things, I can't help but think about young boys watching these movies. Um, I don't think, certainly, that it can turn someone into a sociopathic killer because that's, a I think, a problem with the brain. 
you know, uh, the actual chemistry of the brain or physical properties of the brain. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I if I had a son, if I would want my 12-year-old son receiving this message over and over and over. Well, like, Not to get too heavy. Yeah, no. Well, what, you're, what you just brought up, um, I have some stuff I want to bring up with what Annie uh, just said. Like the slumber party sorority mm-hmm. type thing you have so when around these movies were coming out you have the serial killer Ted Bundy mm-hmm. who committed his murders on sorority row yeah. at Florida State and um, so like is there a correlation between his murders and what he did when, and also the time of what the movies were coming out because like a large part of these movies took place where people felt comfortable mm-hmm. in their houses um, especially women, very vulnerable. And then you got a house full of women. I mean, he's like, oh, where right. can I get this? Yeah, like just just showing how these relate to at that time. Like these movies, I think, definitely had an influence sure. in, in what was happening. Oh, I mean, I've been wondering <clears> – <throat> I kind of wanted to ask you guys generally about why – that why was the golden age of the slasher film like 1978 to 1984 or so? Yeah. What was going on in American culture then that made the slasher movie explode? I mean, was that just an accident because Halloween came out in 78 and it was popular? Or was there something in the cultural zeitgeist yeah. that wanted these kind of movies right then? Well, it – one of the things I would argue is Roe v. Wade had just passed, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and that was a huge anxiety now because men were starting to have concerns that they would not only have to raise children that they didn't want, they'd have to pay for them, spend time with them, right. that They're maybe the they would be responsible for this child. And also women were starting to enter the workforce, right. and so they were getting more power, more agency. And there was a lot of social anxiety around that. Yeah. Um, and... There was a backlash of just like, well, these women think they have power. Well, let's just wow. watch them. I never be considered murdered. that. I bet you that totally had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Well, again, I've done all of this research on Alien. Yeah. And that whole movie was about like men, maybe you can get pregnant, or AKA you could have to raise a child. Right. And it was around the same time Roe v. Wade had just passed. Wow. And it was also. Um, and obviously just something as simple as Halloween being a big hit and it's Hollywood and they want to make money. That mm-hmm. certainly had something to do with it. But it was also the time of, um, you know, the 80s and the satanic panic mm-hmm. and uh, violence and crime were way, way worse back then. I mean, sure. this is all a reality. We have we did a show on the Guardian Angels in New York and uh, and that dovetailed with movies like Escape from New York where they were like, in the future, you know, crime is so bad that they shut down Manhattan and made it into a prison. And this was just on people's minds. Crime was bad back then. I mean, it wasn't just the future. I mean, people – movies in like the 70s, 80s, and early 90s depicting New York in the present depicted it as hell on earth. It it was bad. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't – you know, that – you know, they obviously heightened that for films. Yeah. But when we were going over the Guardian Angels thing, like the crime rate statistics in New York City in the late 70s and 80s, it was was something like – like four or five murders a week or something like that, yeah. uh, which is just crazy to think about now when you go to New York and walk around. You never, ever feel right. threatened or dang- and endangered for the most part. Sure. Mm-hmm. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre starts off that exact same way. You think you're watching a newscast. Like it has yeah. like the news yeah. crews there. It's very effective. And the, the voiceover sets you up like this actually happened. Like this happened in middle of nowhere, Texas. And for me, that just had that impact. Um, one thing, like, that these slasher flicks all had in common, for the most part, was they were really low budget. Like, they didn't have the money as these other Hollywood movies that are coming out. And I think that one of the things that you saw was, like, instead of seeing the villain, you saw through the villain's eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, that was your perspective. So people thought, like, could easily think, like, okay, now we're seeing it through their eyes where we are becoming that person in some sort of way. And it could definitely have an effect on people depending on, on where they are. But, like, that was a scary part to me. Like, I didn't – you saw what the villain was going to do. And usually yeah. you would see them pick up the knife. You yeah. would just see the hand enter. So that, that definitely had, a, had an impact and scared the crap out of me too. 
Ramsey, you just made me think about another important thing in the history of slashers, which is the economics of filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about them being low budget. I think one thing a lot of slasher filmmakers may have picked up on is that, okay, so you're trying to make a movie that's going to grab people, mm -hmm. but, you know, you you don't necessarily know anybody who's got a really good script to work with. You don't know, you know, you don't have the right. budget to get a big star or something. What can you do that's really cheap that people will be, you know, like glued to? Yeah. And you found out that if you find a good makeup effects artist, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you can do gore and murder scenes on the, you know, it costs pennies yeah. uh, to do these things that look amazing. I mean, like Tom Savini's work, in early slasher movies, yeah. I think really shaped the direction of the genre because there are these stories about when Sean Cunningham was directing the first Friday the 13th movie, mm -hmm. uh, they they had originally planned to shoot a murder one way, you know, uh, that it was going to maybe cut away real quick after the knife went in or something. But then they found that Tom Savini's makeup effects looked so good yeah. that instead they just kept the camera trained on it and let you see more and more because, you know, they'd already paid for it. It looked great. They wanted to get more bang for their buck. And I think that sort of shaped the direction of the genre in the early 80s. Right. Yeah, because you don't need elaborate sets. You don't need uh, the best actors in the world. <laughs> no. um, but you're right. If you've got a really good makeup and effects person, you can just throw a bunch of teenagers in the woods and uh, make a movie for a few hundred grand back then or today for that matter. Well, to what, to what Annie was saying um, about the like the female role, like if like in The Prowler, the, the most – it's, I saw it last night for the first time, and I was freaking blown away as far as like how graphic it was. And then, you know, I was like wondering why I hadn't seen this until that <laughs> night. Where have you been all my life? But like the most graphic scene was the kill was the pitchfork in the shower. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, do you really need to hold on that for those like yeah. one more second? Like, and lifted yeah. her up. Lifted with her the up. Pitchfork. Yeah, and. They knew their audience. They knew right. the audience. And, <laughs> yeah. like, always, one thing that's common is there's always probably going to be nudity in, in these movies as well. But, like, it was just really graphic. And something about that, I was just like, this is yeah, – I did, did not sit well. Like, I, I got the heebie-jeebies watching that movie. But the same director who did that, I saw an interview with him on – he because he also – him and Tom Savini did um, Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter. Yeah. And there's a – shower scene in that they reversed uh, the genders in there and they put the male into the shower and yeah. Jason just reaches through the glass shower and grabs him and puts his head up against the wall and it's basically crushes his skull and like even that is graphic as well but he distinctly switched the gender roles there because of he was tired of these females being the center or defenseless in, in right. the eyes of the villains and all that stuff interesting so. Quick side note on that director, Joseph Zito. So yeah. he made those slasher movies, but he also made Invasion USA. Oh, wow. Which I think you got a connection <laughs> to, don't you, Chuck? Uh, oh, that was the one that where they destroyed Avondale Mall, right, if I'm not mistaken. Chuck Norris <laughs> defending Florida from being attacked by Cubans and right. uh, Soviets. Yeah, oh, wow. they drove a truck through Avondale Mall, <laughs> and um, which is the mall I grew up going to. And it got a big facelift after that because the movie production had to pay for the, you know, the rebuilding. Wow. <laughs> Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. 
To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. All right, so let's finish up this part one with some uh, questions. Uh, Ask for slasher movie-specific questions here. And Adam Ron has a good one. Uh, What's the most no way that person could have endured that and still gotten up to run away or fight back scene you've ever watched? Um, I'm just going to go with the one I briefly mentioned in The Prowler when the guy took the bayonet through the top of the head (laughs) all the way through his brain and out the bottom of his mouth, and he was still fighting back. That clearly would have been instantaneous death. <laughs> so that's the one I'm going with. Anyone else got one? I I mean, I'd say uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the fact that like she's still running at the end. I, oh, by geez, the end yeah. of that movie, it is it is such an intense experience and it is so harrowing that I feel like even just as a member of the audience, I could not get up and run <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> and so like she she's been through this whole thing and she can still like escape the dinner table and yeah. you know, run out to the road. That's I'm a like, good one. "Oh man, I can't believe." Yeah. Uh, but they, they they earn the ending in Texas Chainsaw, which I think uh, it's like the, when she escapes in the truck at the end, I can hardly think of any movie that provides such an amazing sense of relief as yeah. that moment. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to get into that in, like in the next episode. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to spoil it. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, do you guys have one? Can you think of one? I don't have a specific one, but I'll say every time I think in – well, at least Scream 1 and Scream 2. I love how the protagonist can get shot, oh. and they're fine. <laughs> yeah. But the villain shot dead. Yeah. <laughs> they get, I think Gale gets shot in everyone. Dewey oh, really? gets stabbed in everyone. How many different ways Dewey, Dewey get yeah. impaled? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Poor Dewey. And they keep on going. Yeah. That movie I used to think was so funny because they were constantly kicking the shit out of, uh, I don't even know what you call the character. The Did they, ha- did they have a name for the killer? Ghostface. Ghostface, yeah. yeah. But, they, like, they were always kicking the shit out of him, whether it was, like, <laughs> a, a coffee mug to the face or, like, kick to the balls. <laughs> or just, like, his buddy at one point is like, I'm feeling a little woozy. Oh, yeah. yeah. At the end. Oh, that's Matthew, Matthew Miller. Miller. Matthew Miller. <laughs> yeah. When he kept, he, he, I think you cut me too deep, man. <laughs> what did he say? He says, uh, my parents are going to be so yeah, mad, at <laughs> mad at me. Mad at me. He was so, like, wonderfully over the top in yes, that movie. Yes, he was. The great Matthew Lillard. He was. Um, here's another good question uh, from Clement Scott. How do you guys feel about the 2018 Halloween? Uh, I loved it. Yeah. I uh, I loved that there were three generations of women in it. It was pretty badass. Um, I don't know if that's, like, fan service or what, but it felt like the right time yeah. to, to pull that out. That's very rare. And Judy Greer, I mean. Put her, put her in everything. <laughs> oh, Man, I hate to be the one person dissenting at the table. Oh, I, you didn't I, like it? No, I did not love it. I felt like I, I felt like they really missed an opportunity to do more with the character of Lori in it. Hmm. I felt like not enough of the movie was about her, and it wasted all this time with these worthless podcaster characters. <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that was slightly annoying that, uh, yeah. that, for many like, reasons. Yeah, like, <laughs> that, that half half the movie podcast. was just about them, and then they're just dead, and that doesn't really connect to anything else. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I was ultimately – I had really high hopes for it. I love the score, of course, You know, yeah. uh, Carpenter's yeah. Update on the score was fantastic. I really liked some 
individual scenes in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I was really disappointed that that Laurie didn't get more room to grow and and fill up the movie. I don't know. All uh, right. I, I think uh, I, I can see what they were going for at like a log line level, you know, the three uh-huh. generations of women and all that. Like yeah. that w- could have been great, I thought. But uh, I don't know. I wanted more for Jamie Lee. Gotcha. Ramsey? I think my – Expectations for a slasher flick have gone down, so it definitely exceeded my expectations. I didn't really like <clears throat> the two Rob Zombie movies as much. I didn't see those, and so I was was not expecting much. <laughs> um, and I think I, it definitely exceeded my expectations. Is it a great film? Will I go back and watch it? No, I mean, but it's it's there. I was happy they did it, and I'm definitely going to go see the. I guess they're doing two more. Yeah. So I'll, I'll definitely go see those as well. But so Ramsey's I mean, review, it's there. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a slasher fix. Sure. Like, it's it, not, it wasn't offensive to you. Yeah. I mean, but it wasn't great. Yeah. It's not going to be in my top, top 10 yeah. list or anything like that. Fair um, enough. But Thank it's you. definitely where the Halloween franchise went even before the zombie movies. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> filled a big hole and is definitely on the rise, I yeah. think. I mean, well, you, don't, just, you don't love Halloween 5? Man, well, I don't know if we want to start, but like for for me, like one of my biggest as a child growing up and watching these flicks, I honestly, it was one of my downfalls was like my learning that, okay, sometimes your expectations aren't going to be there is like these movies started sucking, like really getting bad. Like the kills were horrible. And like, it was like, what am I watching this for? You know, the, 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 the appeal or whatever appeal, maybe my film taste got improved. I don't know. But like, it just like these movies were just, they were just throwing them out there and there's less time spent on even the kill qualities, even the story. Um, if there is any, you know, it was just, it just got weaker and weaker. And, yeah, Halloween five. Halloween five is like a bad time on ketamine. It it's just like exactly. Puts you in it's this, just it's like such a bad horrible film. altered state of misery yeah, and sluggishness. I don't know which one that was? But there, I I have like like uh, a love for them as as what they were and what they are. But it's also like yeah, now I watch these movies. Goes like okay, I want to see a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Like I'll yeah. go see a giant shark movie just because I know it's going to be horrible at the drive-in or whatever. And just because – or I'll get together with friends and watch these horrible movies. Like we'll watch you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night because <laughs> it's, you know, for what it is. I mean, which is a very bad film that we can make fun of while we watch. Ramsey, not... you should never apologize for loving shitty shark movies. <laughs> you can go ahead and say The Meg. The Meg. Right. <laughs> I tried to get The Office to go. Tomiko went. That was hilarious. I saw that on a plane. I fast-forwarded through most of it just yeah. to the sharky I saw that stuff. On a plane too. Yeah. yeah. It's a good plane movie. Yeah. Because you're I really far too, away actually. from the ocean. Yeah. That probably had something to do with it. I love Jason Statham in that movie. Is like, I mean, he's basically playing a pirate. Yeah. You know, he's like, what? Yeah. They got a shark <laughs> in there. I mean, I'm not even <laughs> Exaggerating. Yeah. He was yeah. pretty piratey. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let, let's wrap it up for episode one. Um, I feel like we could do like eight hours of this shit. Yeah. But um, we'll wrap it up for now, and we will see everyone next week for Horror Square Table Part 2. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually 
in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 